We are embarking on a series through the parables of Jesus uh, as told in the Gospel of Luke. And you've already heard the parable a couple times today, the parable of the sower, or it's also called the parable of the seeds. Uh, The point of the parable is that the word of God is spread and it is received by some and not by others. But I think it's genius, and of course, being from Jesus, it would be, to use the seed as what he compares to the word of God proclaimed or the kingdom proclaimed. Because, you see, a seed is not an army. A seed is not a hammer. A seed is not blunt blunt force. A seed has great power, but it works from the inside out. We are called to be agents of the kingdom, and when we spread the seed of the word of God, we spread it into pe- through people's ears and pray that it goes to their heart. When Jesus spoke to the crowd that was assembled before him, he used their ears with the hope of getting to their heart. Many people think that you can spread Christianity through um, force or through coercion, making people believe one thing or another. You cannot. It's not possible. The only way to change a person's heart is from within. You can make a person, theoretically, you can make a person behave in a certain way out of fear, but you cannot change their hearts except from within. The work of the gospel, the work of proclaiming the kingdom of God, is a work that goes through the ear into the heart, and the change takes place in the heart when it takes place. But Jesus says here that it doesn't always take place. And the problem is a lack of connection. The word has to take root in the heart of the hearer. And there are many reasons why the word does not take root. One is birds. Well, that's why seed doesn't take root. In the parallel here, Jesus tells that it's birds along the path that steal the seed. And we have, this, we have a similar problem at home right now. Our, our yard was overseeded. Uh, they planted a bunch of seed through our grass, and now birds are coming and eating that seed. It, it, I love birds. I love to see birds flying around. I like to feed birds. I like to house birds. But I don't like these birds because they're stealing our seed. Uh, the, the devil is equated with the birds here. As Jesus explains this passage, those along the path, verse 12, are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts that they will not believe and be saved. Now, I'm not saying that birds are devils, and neither is Jesus, but it is a horrible thing. When the word of God is preached, and a heart is so hard, it cannot hear. And we believe that the enemy is the one who hardens that heart. I believe that hard-heartedness is one of the greatest problems we have in the world today, and I believe that it is a bigger problem now than it's been at least throughout my lifetime. People believe what they want to believe. They do not listen to other people. They do not listen to other ideas. They say, this is my truth, and you can't break in. That, my friends, is hard-heartedness, and it will keep you from growth. It will keep you 
potentially from receiving the kingdom of God. And it comes from the devil. The devil makes you unwilling, unable to listen, to hear, and to allow the truth to enter your heart. Friends, open up your minds, open up your hearts, hear from others, hear mostly from God. And you cannot hear if you close your ear. A receptive heart is a humble heart. And a humble heart is the only heart that is receptive, that is willing to hear, that is willing to allow change to take place. George Buttrick, a great preacher of uh, a couple decades ago, was on an airplane and uh, he was seated next to someone and, and uh, Pastor Buttrick was working on his sermon and the, the man leaned over and said, hey, what you working on there? And he said, well, I'm a preacher and I'm, I'm working on writing my sermon. And the man said, oh, well, that's nice, but I figure, you know, the only religion I really need, I don't need to get into all the nitty gritty of it. I don't need to get into really understanding much of it at all, except that, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's all the religion I need. And I'm very happy with that. And Buttrick said, well, um, what is your line of work? And the man said, well, I'm an astrophysicist. I study the stars and I teach at a university. And Buttrick responded, oh, that's nice. But I don't get into all the nitty gritty of, of the stars and how they work. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. That's all I need. Well, it's probably insulting uh, to the astrophysicist to hear that, but it also makes the point. We can choose to know more about stars or less about stars. We can choose to know more about the kingdom of God or less about the kingdom of God. But if the kingdom of God is the promise for eternity, it makes little sense not to try to understand it as well as we can. So the first group is the group that's hardened. Their hearts are hardened. The, the way to receive the word is through the heart, and the heart is unwilling to receive it. In the second group, it looks like they've received, but they fall away quickly. Maybe the seed only got as far as the mind and not the heart. Maybe the word of God um, mingled with the word in, the own, in their own minds and they thought they could come up with something they really liked. But when they found out that the gospel was not really what they thought it was, they give up. There are a lot of people, a lot of people, I pray you're not one of them, who has a sense of what the gospel is, has a sense of what it means to follow Jesus Christ, but it's a wrong sense. So many people preach today that Jesus wants you to be happy, that Jesus wants you to feel fulfillment, that Jesus wants to bless you with material things. That, my friends, is not the gospel. It is not what the Word of God says. Many people believe that Jesus is the great fixer, 
So, rather than realize that they are sinners in need of a savior, they believe that they are sufferers in need of a solution. They want Jesus to come in and fix the problems of their lives, and they think that that's what the gospel is, that Jesus will come in and change all those things, either inside the self or the impact of things outside the self, and fix them so that the person's dreams their own values, their own hopes will be realized. And they believe that Jesus's job is to help them realize their own hopes. But friends, the promise of God is not that he will fix us today. The promise of God is not that he will make all of our problems go away. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The point is that our hope, if it is lodged in this world, is not the hope of the kingdom of God. The hope of the kingdom of God is a hope in God's eternal kingdom in that day when he will bring his kingdom to the new heaven and the new earth and all things will be made right. In the meantime, His job is not to fix everything now, in the here and now. His job is to proclaim, as our job is to proclaim, that the kingdom is coming. In this second group, those who grow a little while, but then fall away, the problem is that the heart has not been broken into. In order for the seed of the word of God, the seed of the kingdom of God to grow, it has to find a place to grow. And the the place that that word, that that kingdom can grow is in the human heart. But if the heart is not receptive to the fullness of what the kingdom means, that heart will push it away and it will find no place to grow. The kingdom of God needs to change our heart's allegiances transform us from people focused on this life, focused on the self, to people focused on the kingdom of God, the glory of God, the wonder and joy of knowing God, now in part, yes, but fully when that kingdom is revealed. The third group are those with a cluttered heart, those who whose seed falls among thorns, which grow up with it and choke the plants. Or as Jesus explains, the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. A lot of times people wonder when they read this parable, well, where's the salvation line? Are these people in the third seed category, the ones who do start growing but don't bear fruit? Are they they Christians? Are they saved? And a passage we looked at last week might indicate that that they are. 1 Corinthians 3.10, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. 
It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So it may be that the one who receives the message, who has the word of God growing in them, but doesn't really cultivate that word, who doesn't really move away all the other distractions of this world, who lives sort of with uh, one foot in each world, this world and the kingdom of God, because they are in Christ, will stand before Christ as those who are saved those who enter the kingdom, but they enter with nothing. But those who invest in the kingdom, those who live their lives according to kingdom values, enter the kingdom with reward, enter the kingdom experiencing the glory of God in in probably a, a, a stronger way because they have grown accustomed to the values of the kingdom through their through their lives. Others say, no, those in this third category are not part of the kingdom of God. They have not given themselves fully to God. And it is not my goal in this sermon to answer that question. But I do want to encourage you to be in the fourth category. Allow your heart to be ready for whatever God wants to do. Allow God to reorient your heart, reorient your life around the kingdom of God and away from the things that distract you from the kingdom of God. For those who live with one foot in each world live as those who doubt their salvation, and rightly so, because we don't know what category these folks are really in. And really, if you have received the word of God, you know too much to live as one who hasn't. Other dedications in our lives, other things in which we invest, rob us of the fullness of that kingdom. That does not mean that we do not invest in our marriages, in our relationships, in our in our work, in our families. But it means that we must not put them first, but allow the kingdom of God to take its rightful first place and those things to fall then into their rightful place. This group is the only group, as Tim Keller points out, that is miserable. The other two um, have no no sense of the kingdom of God, so they live totally by this world's standards. They don't uh, have any real conviction that they should be living otherwise. Those who live according to the kingdom of God, the, the fourth group, as we'll be looking at momentarily, live um, in confidence because they live knowing that they are connected with God. But this group living this compromising lifestyle are always wondering and never fully sure. It creates a miserable life when you know what you should be, but you don't live it. Now, finally, the fourth soil, the good soil, 
These are those who let the seed of the kingdom of God take root. When you watch the um, home shows, the, the shows about buying a house or fixing up a house, they often go into the house and someone will say, oh, this room's a total gut. In other words, it needs to be utterly transformed. And I think it's interesting they use the word gut because we need a total gut job. We need to have our gut reoriented, our, our sense of meaning, our sense of purpose. We need to have our emotions, everything reoriented. And when Christ comes into your life, let him do a total gut job. Let him change you however he wants to, because he knows you better than you know yourself. And this will prepare you for the kingdom of God, for the work of the kingdom of God that God has assigned you in this life, and then for the glory of the kingdom of God when it is revealed. Now, this does not mean that life will be easy. In the very same passage uh, from which I got the um, assurance of pardon today from Romans chapter 5, we read this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Glorious, glorious news, glorious position to know that you are in Christ, that you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. But then verse 3 comes, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We live this life sometimes struggling, sometimes suffering, but always with the Holy Spirit pouring God's love into our hearts, always with that connection to the kingdom of God. And always with the strength that that gives us. You know, seeds are amazing. Seeds convey information. The DNA of the plant, the DNA of the, the, per, the animal or person is in the seed. But the seed has to take root as far as a plant. It has to be fertilized. Two seeds come together in order for the growth to occur. In other words, life. The seed carries information and the seed carries potential for life. It carries life itself. And the growth that happens is organic. There's a story told... Uh, of Peter uh, and Paul and an interaction they have is recorded in Galatians 2. And Peter has come into uh, the town and is um, enjoying fellowship, but then uh, some others come into the town and they are those who say, you know, you really need to still obey the law. And Peter, rather than continuing to fellowship with those who are Gentiles, who do not uh, have that same connection to the law, goes over to the other group and ignores those who are Gentiles. He exhibits um, a prejudice against one group and favors the other. And Paul comes to town and says, Peter, this is not correct. This is not right. 
But he doesn't say, now stop it. What he says is, Peter, remember who you are. Remember what Jesus Christ has done for you. He has freed you from the law. And it is a glorious thing to live as one who is freed from the law. Know who you are. So change how you live. Because the work of a seed, the work of the kingdom of God within us is organic. It happens. I often tell the story uh, of um, Richard Halverson walking with a friend of mine through an orchard. And he says, now look at those trees. Look at those trees producing fruit. Do you hear them straining? Do you hear them working hard to make sure they produce fruit? Of course not. What a tree does when it's rooted into the soil, into the source of water, when its leaves are facing the sun and gaining strength and energy from the sun, what the tree does organically is produce fruit. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God and you allow yourself to be rooted in the word of God and you allow the Holy Spirit to work within you to bring life, you will naturally, organically produce fruit. It's not, the Christian life is not about mechanical obedience. So many people seem to think it is. They want to help the world understand how they are supposed to behave in order to be Christians. Friends, the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, is organically working in Christians to help them to become more like Jesus. The only thing we have to say to people, really, is tell them, yes, what is right and wrong. But the main thing is, the where the power lies, is opening yourself up to allow God to work, to allow the Word of God to accomplish its purpose in you, to allow the Spirit of God to change you from the inside out. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my Word abides in you, you will bear much fruit. <laughs> 